How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma City Thunder, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked in for episode 84 of Locked on Thunder, presented by the Norman Transcript. I'm your host, Fred Katz. Locked on Thunder is part of the Locked on Podcast Network. You can head out to iTunes and search Locked on Thunder to subscribe to the podcast there, and you can leave a review once you're on that page also. Find us on audioboom.com too. Log on to normantranscript.com and check out my blog, Thunder Road, under the sports tab on the site. For more Thunder coverage, I'm on every day of the week, as always. I mean, if you've listened to this before, you've heard this exact intro. Maybe many times. It's very possible. So I'm on every day of the week, Monday through Friday, on after games and previewing games and all that stuff. So tonight, previewing, doing this one around 11-something p.m. Was it 11.20 p.m. right now? On Monday night, the Thunder just lost to the Pistons, 104-88. to They've now lost four in a row. They're 6-5 and five on the season. Detroit didn't have Reggie Jackson. They didn't have Andre Drummond. Russell Westbrook went for 33 points, 15 boards, 8 assists. Uh, Steven Adams, four points, 11, four points, 11 rebounds. Aaron Baines had 20 and eight. Aaron Baines had 20 and eight. Uh, Tobias Harris had 22 points. He led scores for the Pistons. Second night of a back-to-back for the Thunder. That's always tough. Uh, I, I, even, even though there was no Andre Drummond, there was no Reggie Jackson for Detroit. I kind of chalked this up to a schedule loss. Third game in four, four, or uh, third game in, in four days. And, uh, you know, they didn't get in until, till super late. Uh, last night into Detroit. It was just, it's a tough win. They were lacking energy. Uh, You know, often, and Billy Donovan talked about this after the game, often on back-to-backs, you know, you don't quite have your legs. And that was the thunder. I mean, they, they their jump shots just weren't going in. Victor Oladipo was one of seven from three. They were five of 27 from three overall. Worst three-point shooting night of the season. Worst field goal shooting night of the season. First time this year they've shot under 40% from the field. They just didn't quite have the energy. You know, I I saw a lot of people talking about their defense, and I know they were talking about their defense a lot because that's kind of what teams to do, do, right? They they fall back on the we got to play more defense thing, and that's just kind of a thing that you say. Uh, But, you know, the defensive numbers, I I realized there were were things that happened in the defense that Thunder can certainly get better at. Uh, They were a little bit low energy. They had some mix-up and and pick-and-rolls a couple times where – they switched when, you know, one guy thought there was going to, so someone was going to switch. Another guy didn't. And two people followed the same guy and, you know, it left somebody open. That happened multiple times in the game. That's a communication issue. Uh, that's, you know, that's not a second night of a back-to-back issue. That's a communication issue. Detroit was was killing them with Aaron Baines down low. Uh, they were able to get guys at the rim. I didn't think it was Steven Adams' best defensive game. But you know what? They came out lethargic. If they're hitting their threes, which I'm not saying if they're hitting their threes at a high rate. If they're hitting their threes at a bad rate. If they're hitting their threes at a 30% rate. It's not like their looks were bad. It's not like these were all, you know, contested fadeaway off the dribble shots. Like they were getting good looks that were rimming out. It were not even rimming out. I mean, they were getting good looks that they were just missing wide right, wide left. Like they were, they were doing, a lot of this was self-inflicted. Uh, so I don't think this necessarily... 
helps you project anything moving forward. Might be one of those throw out, throw out the tape games, at least for us. Maybe not for them, but at least for us in terms of trying to project forward. Maybe a couple of schematic things that they can try to get better at. Like I said, you know, those switches, that communication, that kind of stuff. But but overall, I mean, they only gave up 99 points per 100 possessions. That's actually better than they've been doing on the season, and they have a top 10 defense. So so that's, in terms of the result, like, it wasn't, the defense could have been better for sure, but it didn't have disastrous ramifications. The issue was the offense. They couldn't score. The ball movement was was bad. And they got they got decent looks. They did get decent looks, but once once they they got those jump shots, they just they couldn't do anything with them. They just they weren't making their shots. It seemed like everybody was kind of off, except for uh, you know Russell Westbrook got to the lane pretty well. But that was pretty much it. Nice to see that Russell Westbrook wasn't really shooting those pull up threes for a second straight game, though. Most of his looks came from around the rim, and that was that was an encouraging thing. Looking forward, going to take some Twitter questions. First one. From Squint Essential, it seems Adams' drop in offense has coincided with him re-injuring that hand, uh, less one-hand dunks, and has lost the floater. Thoughts? I think that's viable, honestly. I, I've noticed, and I don't know if it's because he's injured. Injured's not the right word, because injured means you can't play. Hurt. Athletes always distinguish that difference. Injured means you can't play. Hurt means you can play. Adams is obviously hurt, to a degree, to what degree, I don't know, because he's not going to tell me. But he's obviously hurt. If he's not hurt, then a hand wouldn't be in a wrap. He's hurt to some degree. At the very least, I think the wrap has affected the way he holds the ball. He's had a lot of moments where the ball has just kind of slipped out of his hands. Whether, whether on a floater, whether on a hook shot, whether on tonight he was trying to post up, I think it was Baines, on the right block. And you could tell the ball just kind of slipped while he was dribbling it. It slipped off the wrap. And, like, your hands are stickier. I mean, it's basically the opposite. You know Orlando Jones' character on The Replacements? It's the second time I've made an Orlando Jones reference in two days. How about that? You know, you know they put the, the, the cheat, they put the sticky the sticky stuff on his hands. I don't even know what it's called. It's called stick'em. Like the Dwight Howard, stick'em. They put it on his, on his hands. Like, it's, it's the rap for Steven Adams is the opposite. Of the stickum, that's I, I had to pull out Orlando Jones just to say like it doesn't stick well. But yeah, I mean the ball's slipping away from him. I, I think it's impacting him to what degree? I don't know. Does it make him a bad player? No, not at all. Not even close. But I, I do think it's affecting him. I don't think it's something that he would say. He's not one to ever make excuses like that. Um, and I don't think we're ever going to hear him say something like that. But just watching him play, there's a difference between an excuse and a reason. There's something that makes things happen. And and in this case, like, I think that is a contributing, that's a contributing reason for Adams's offensive comfort with the ball going down a little bit. Next one from Steven Lutsky. Instead of focusing on the negatives, which is understandably easy, you think Sabonis can be effective in a small lineup at the five. So Billy Donovan played Sabonis at the five tonight. Uh, Jeremy Grant at the four. Smaller front court. I was actually thinking about that front court a couple of days ago because I kind of thought that Grant worked well next to Cantor. Because, like, ideally, the initial idea when Cantor came over, you know, before Ibaka left, was that in a vacuum, Cantor and Ibaka lineups were going to work well, right? Because you have Cantor who can work around, Cantor can kind of work around the rim and on offense, and, and Ibaka could stretch. And then on the other end, Cantor has his defensive liabilities. 
but Ibaka is so versatile, he's so quick, he's such a good rim defender, that you actually get your rim protection at the four, and he can maybe clean up a lot of the mistakes that Canner makes on the defensive end, and that they should be able to basically cancel out each other's negatives and turn into a really viable front court. Now, it didn't work with those two guys. For whatever reason, it just, it was never a great combination. It was never something you could go with all the time. Now, I kind of thought Jeremy Grant and Canner would be a similar type of deal. Canner's really developed an outside shot now. You can pick and pop him for sure. I think if he shot more threes, he'd be capable. Now, if you take him away from the rim, you lose his offensive rebounding. Not completely, but to a degree. He's obviously going to rebound better if he's around the basket. But Grant is a guy who could slash. Canner could still space because he, he's at the very least, you know, good out to 20 feet or whatever. And defensively, Grant is a guy who's versatile and he's athletic and he can defend the rim. And maybe he could be, he's obviously nowhere near what a prime Ibaka was. But just from a stylistic standpoint, they could have that type of thing. Maybe that's that's a way that you work with Sabonis, though. Maybe Sabonis plays that canner role because Sabonis is more comfortable. There's no question. Sabonis is more comfortable on the perimeter than he is inside. He was billed as a post-up guy because that's what he was in college. But his post-ups, I mean, look, they're not working if he doesn't use his right hand ever. Like, he never uses his right hand. And and defenses are just giving him the right. And he's not taking it. It's not just shooting. It's It's dribbling. It's passing. He'll only use his left. If that's going to be the case, he's going to be the most effective as pick and pop. And if you're going to have a pick and pop five, that's really nice. And on, on the other end, you know, Sabonis is he's probably not going to be a rim protector. He just doesn't have the dimensions or athleticism. But he's not going to be. I mean, when he's moving forward, he's, he's going to be a good defender at some point. Because he rotates well. He'll be a good team defender. He can get out in the perimeter and guard because he's got quick feet. And Grant can, again, be that kind of guy who can kind of defend the rim. So I'm kind of into that. I'm kind of into seeing how Billy Donovan uses that moving forward. Now, they've got four big men, not including Jeremy Grant. I think Grant is a better four than he is a three. Like, in a vacuum, if you're going to create the ideal team for Jeremy Grant, then he's a better four than he is a three, because as a three, you probably need to handle the ball a little bit more. You need to be a better shooter so that you can space better. Like, if you play him at the three, it scrunches spacing more and that kind of stuff. And if he's a four... You know, his, his outside shooting is not as much of a liability. He can just be kind of a slashing four, and, and he can guard fours, and it just it works out better for the team specifically on the offensive end. The Thunder have had to play him at the three because of the way that their roster works. They've got those four bigs. They've got Laverne, and they've, they've got Sabonis, and they've got Canner, and they've got Adams, and then Grant is that fifth guy. So it's going to be tough to see exactly how many minutes that, that, that duo ends up getting at the four and the five. But I am – I don't know if it will work. Uh, over the long haul, obviously it's a matchup thing. There are some times where it's it's not going to, and there's some times where it might work better. But I'm definitely intrigued by it. I'm for sure intrigued by it. From Craig Milkowski, what can the Thunder do to combat other teams employing the Robertson zone, i.e. his defender on the edge of the paint? Teams aren't going to guard Andre Robertson on the three-point line. That's something that we've seen over and over again. Even if he hits three threes in the game, guys aren't going to go out to him and guard him. Coaches are going to make sure that doesn't happen. The Thunder in the playoffs last year, they were using Robertson as a, as a ball screener, which is more effective when there's nobody guarding him. Really puts the guy guarding the ball into a frenzy. You know, they use them to kind of set pin downs. I think you can use him as an off-ball screener more when he's playing the three. Now, that was also something where he was playing the four. 
And a lot of those times when they were doing that against Golden State, they were going small and using him as an off-ball screener. That helped. But I think there are ways you can use him as an off-ball screener. Look, the Thunder have not been very creative in their off-ball actions. That's something I'll talk about that in a little bit. But they haven't been that creative in their off-ball actions. Like the, the offense isn't just down because Russell Westbrook's dominating the ball or because they're not making three-point shots that often. Like, statistically, their three-point attack hasn't been that bad. Like, it hasn't been, like, bottom five in the league bad. It hasn't been bad enough to where it's solely responsible for pulling down the offense into the bottom seven. The reason the offense is that low is it's a culmination of a lot of things, which is something I'll talk about a little bit later. But I think they could use Robertson as a better screener, as a better cutter. Now, obviously, this is all easier said than done. And if Russell Westbrook is going to, you know, pound the air out of the ball a lot, then then you have to figure out ways to do it that might be a little bit more unconventional. But it's something because guys, I I think you got to try something because he's, he's too good defensively. He's too important for the team's identity to sit him. Like I'm, I'm all for the amount of minutes that Andre Robertson has been playing this year. But, but I think there are other ways that he could be used other than kind of camping him in the corner from former podcast guests, James Hollis. Ten games in, what are what are two positives you see and two trouble spots? Rules, you can't use Russ or shooting for answers. All right, so I'll go with the positives first. My first positive, the perimeter defense. Defense in general. I mean, look, the defense has been good. It hasn't been the best in the league. It's been good. It's been about where I thought it would be. They're in the top ten. They've had pretty good rim protection. They've done a really good job preventing three-point shots. I know Billy Donovan talked about how the three-point percentages are down from their opponents. It's like 32% or something like that. Opponents are shooting at them from three. And they've got an abnormally low percentage on threes threes from the corner against them. And that'll probably climb up closer to the league average as we get a larger sample size. But in terms of just limiting attempts, they're in the top 10 in in fewest attempts allowed from three-point land. They're not giving up a lot of three-point attempts. Andre Robertson is, is better than he's ever been, I think. I think Oladipo's been pretty good. He's not flawless. He has some moments where he gambles when he shouldn't. He has some moments where he struggles to get around screens, gets caught up on them, ball screens and off-ball screens. But he's been better off the ball, I think, than, than I've seen in just my time watching him in Orlando. I think he has improved in that sense, and I think he's been good guarding the ball when he's had that opportunity. So I think he's he's been an above-average defensive presence for them, which which really helps because you have Adams, who's having a good year, and Robertson, who's having a good year, or a great year, I should say. And and uh, and you add you add Old Depot into that starting lineup, it's a formidable crew. That's a formidable three defenders that they can throw out into any lineup and and be pretty tough to score against. Like this defense for four losses in a row. Look, let's contextualize this. The Thunder were 6-1. and one. When they were 6-1, and one, I didn't tell you they were an 850 team. When they were 6-2, and two, I didn't tell you they were a 750 team. When they were 6-3, and three, I didn't tell you they were a 667 team. Stuff comes back. They're 6-5, and five, that's probably about what they are. I figure they're like a mid-40s team. That's probably about what they are. That's okay. Things come back. Things, things regress to the mean. Maybe they don't regress to the mean as poetically as 6-1 and one to 6-5, and five, but they regress to the mean. Thunder have a nice stretch coming up. They've got, well, they got Houston on Wednesday. But after that, they've got some gimmies. They've got the Nets at home, who I'm looking at this game right now, which is currently on mute on my TV. 
on League Pass, and the Clippers are up about 400 points on the Nets right now. Nets are not a very talented group. They got the Nets at home. They got the Pacers at home. The Pacers have problems. They got the Lakers. They got the Kings. They got the Nuggets. That's a nice little stretch. Thunder should be able to rack up some wins. If they can't rack up some wins in that stretch, then we'll talk. Then we'll talk. But but for now, I don't think there's really a reason to be to panic or or any or anything like that. Like I like some irrational people in my uh, Twitter mentions are going at right now. All right, I went on a I went on a tangent. So first positive is the perimeter defense. Second positive, the pace. Every team says that they want to play at a high pace in the preseason. Every single one. Only some do it. The Thunder are doing it. They're sixth or seventh in pace right now, or something like that. Uh, if you look at it, they're they're scoring or they're taking shots quicker off turnovers. Going into the Detroit game, I don't know what it is right now, but going into the Detroit game, they were taking shots within 7.9 seconds. That was their average, the length of their average possession on possessions that followed turnovers that they forced. 7.9 seconds. Quickest in the league. They're getting out running when they force turnovers. And that's a good thing for them. I think Russell Westbrook has been more deliberate getting into sets than he was in the past. He used to have possessions where he'd walk the ball up the court and that kind of stuff. He's not doing that. He's, he's running the ball up the court now. And I think he's doing a great job with that. I think it, um, it honestly might be his most Im- the most improved aspect of his game this year. Just his, his deliberateness in bringing the ball up the court and getting the ball into sets. And the pace of the team, it's helping them. Because they need to play at a high pace. Because when you don't have spacing, you have to find ways to create spacing that isn't shooting. When you don't have that shooting. And one way to create spacing when you don't have the shooting is to get in transition. Because when you're in transition, the floor is spaced for you. You don't need to space the floor. The floor spaces you. Two troubles. Ball movement. I'm, 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 I'm actually combining two things that people usually put together and making it my one thing. The two things are ball movement and player movement. I talked about Andre Robertson. You know, he's not... It's the team in general. It's not just Robertson. Like, I thought, I thought we were going to see Alex Sabrinas run off a lot more screens. I thought we were going to see floppy sets with him. Uh, that hasn't happened. He's just kind of a standstill shooter so far. And maybe that's something that develops. Maybe that's something you get more comfortable with. Like the dude's 22 years old. He's a rookie. He's still understanding, you know, the speed and the pace of the game. And, and Abrinas is not the fastest guy on the court really at any given moment. So, so I understand that kind of stuff, but they're not really running that much screen action. They're not moving all that much. And a lot of this obviously has to do with the fact that one guy, Russell Westbrook has the ball all the time. And the ball movement's not quite there. The player movement's not quite there. Uh, I'm sure it's something that they would like to make better. I don't know if it will get better. I don't know. It definitely can. We just haven't really seen any evidence that it will. I, I thought the ball movement was definitely stale on Monday night. I thought the player movement was pretty stale too. But they, that's something, I mean, look, all, all we've been hearing is that they have a lot of new players, right? So maybe that's something that comes with the new players and getting comfortable within the system. But, like, it's been 11 games. Other teams have ball movement. Other teams that have new players move the ball, move players, set flare screens, set pin downs, set stagger screens, set ball screens, like whatever kind of screen you want. The Thunder set a lot of ball screens. They run a good amount of pick and roll. Don't set a lot of off-ball screens. Now, part of that is because they don't have the shooting to spread it. Like when, 
when a defender is playing 10 feet off a guy who's on the perimeter, you can't screen him because he's not on the guy. So, like, there's no point in screening, and that's that's something. But, like, there are ways that you can, they, that, that they have done that, that you, can, you can free guys up. Like, there are ways to do it. And it's weird because every once in a while they'll run something. I'll be like, oh, that was nice. Like, during, during the Sunday night game against the Magic, like, Andre Robertson set a really nice impromptu flare screen for Joffrey Laverne. It was on the left baseline. I was like, oh, that's a really nice flare screen. And Russell Westbrook found out, found Laverne in the left corner, and Laverne had an open three. I was like, that was, that was really good offense. And they have these moments where they're zinging it around the perimeter or they're setting these really aware picks. And they, they know how to do it, which is why I think it can get better. I just, I don't know if it will, whether that's because Russell Westbrook is going to, you know, dribble a lot and take a lot of pull-ups or because it just, this is their offensive seal, like this is who they are. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, it's something that I think does need to get better for sure. I mean, this offense is in the bottom 10 right now, bottom 10 in points per possession. And it's, it's hard to be, they're easy to stop is the problem. They're easy to stop. They have one weapon. They have one guy who's really been a legitimate weapon on the offensive end right now. And if you just have to stop him, it's, it doesn't matter almost how good you are. It's kind of like when you're facing a pitcher. It's kind of like when you're facing a pitcher. If a guy has a 100-mile-an-hour fastball, but he's got nothing else, and it's a straight pitch, major leaguers are going to hit it. They're going to figure it out. Like maybe you'll blow away some guys every once in a while because you have a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. But on the whole, you're, especially against good hitters, you're going to get figured out. It's a similar thing in the NBA. Thunder have that 100-mile-an-hour 100, 100 fastball, but they need to develop some wrinkles. They need to develop that changeup. Remember, I'm on every weekday, Monday through Friday. You can head on to iTunes to subscribe to Locked on Thunder if you have questions or comments. Email LockedOnThunder at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Fred Katz, F-R-E-D-K-A-T-Z. Log on to normantranscript.com for all your Thunder needs and check out Thunder Road to follow team coverage and what's next for the Thunder there. That's going to do it for today. Back with you tomorrow. I'm going to be previewing the uh, Wednesday night game, James Harden return game, one of many James Harden return games. Uh, They play Houston on Wednesday night. Harden's numbers are just crazy, like profane. So uh, that that should be fun. Basically, the, the two guys with the two largest offensive burdens on them in the entire league in Harden versus Westbrook on Wednesday night. So that should be a fun one. Until then, though, Locked on Thunder is locking up. Locked on Thunder.